Welcome to B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. Meet Bonnie. She's from Oklahoma. Where the wind comes sweeping down the plain. A meteorology major and loves to chase. Meet Bobby. He's from Oregon. Going green. Greenage. Saddle up. You got a boss. Oregon AMS vice president and a former TV weather producer. It's B Squared. Let's talk weather. Welcome into B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby in Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. Bonnie, it's been a fun week of pure winter bliss for most of the East Coast. I say that tongue-in-cheek because I know a lot of people are still digging out from there. 44 inches of snow, which is just mind-blowing to me. But how awesome is that? It's so awesome and mind-blowing to me, too, because I've not ever seen kind of snow like in person. So I just can't really wrap my head around it. I think the most I've seen in one event here locally is just about 18 inches, which Mm -hmm. was a lot. And I mean, it it shut down the city for a week and a half. And obviously I've seen, you know, much more than that up in the mountains. But man, that's just short of four feet of snow. Yes. Can you imagine four feet of snow? That's what past your waist? Yeah, for most people, yes. So just imagine that. I saw some videos of like people's dogs who had like carved out a path in the backyard and right. that's where they were walking. And But it, the snow was still taller than the dog and it was a husky dog. So I was just like, that's just crazy snow. No, it, it very much is. And one of my favorite photos is a lady that, you know, let the cat outside and the cat's like pawing at the snow like, what is this? Like, why, why can't I walk out into the yard like I normally do? What What is this barrier that is preventing me from doing my thing? <laughs> and the amount of people who opened their doors and the snow was over like halfway up their door. Amazing. Would that make your house colder or would, do you think that would help insulate it? Uh, that's a really good question. I'm sure it probably does actually both. Because um, water's an insulator, isn't it? Uh, snow's an insulator. Conductor. Water is not. No, water's a conductor oh. because you get electricity passes through it. Oh, that's true. Um, that's why you don't blow dry your hair in the tub or make toast in the toaster in the tub. Yeah, yeah, let's not, yeah, we're, and that's exactly why. Um, snow is an insulator, but it's not that good of an insulator. Right. It's gonna because it's cold. It's cold, exactly. So, I mean, it's not, it's... I'm not going to say it's a radiator because it's not passing, obviously, warmth into cold or cold into warmth. But it is it is an insulator, but it's a, it's a really bad one. Like, it at least helps some heat stay in. It Correct. keeps it from escaping quickly. Correct. But it might start to cool down the outer perimeter of your home, and that might start to come in. Right, but that's why they say, like, if you do get trapped in a winter scenario to build, like, a snow wall or a like an igloo type uh, shelter because it will keep some of the heat in and will keep the elements out. But yeah, it's just, it's not, it's not the best. I mean, obviously being inside is what you want. Uh, Being in a building with actual, you know, uh, insulation is, is really what you want. But Bonnie, you guys got the party started. We talked about the snow threat that you guys had and the fact that you actually, you know, got some really good measurable snow last weekend but then you guys had round two on tuesday which ultimately led to what we now know as winter storm gale uh which is what you know dropped all that lovely snow on the east coast 
Yes, um, it has been quite an eventful week here. Um, I feel like having two back-to-back pretty decent snowfall events it doesn't happen here often. So Sunday we got a few inches and it stuck around. I mean, there was a little bit of melting between Sunday and Tuesday, but there was still some on the ground when Tuesday's storm came through. And that started probably at around 11 in the morning or noon. And it really snowed until about eight or nine at night, heavy at times and then moderate for the rest of the time. But it dropped another three, four, some places got five more inches of snow. And the pictures of Clyde and the videos of Clyde on our Twitter, that's from Tuesday snow. So it was, it was pretty impressive and I, I love it. All right. It's all gone now. <laughs> oh, well, right. And well, you guys are what in like the mid fifties today, right? Yeah. And yesterday we were too. So yeah, it melted off. Well, I mean, listen, I, I think most people would, if they had their way, would rather have a snow event or two snow events or three snow events. And then it'd be wrapped up quite quickly. Mm-hmm. However, we do talk about, you know, going back to our previous conversation about snow as an insulator. Uh, snow is very, very good at, you know, bouncing the sunlight back up into space. And when you get snow on the ground, it does drop the temperature very quickly, especially if it does clear out because you no longer allowing the earth to, you know, receive uh, the sun's rays. And when that stuff gets bounced back out. It's real easy to uh, cool it down quickly. And, you know, we saw that in parts of uh, the Northeast when Gale finally moved through. And, again, we're not hyping the Weather Channel naming storms. Bonnie and I have talked about that ad nauseum on this show. As a reference point, we will reference the name storms, but it's not like, you know, a hurricane. It's not something we're going to remember five years ago. This is not a Matthew or a Michael or a Katrina. This is... And they don't retire those names. It's just something that... The Weather Channel does. It's not an official list or yep. anything, but it's still kind of fun to be like, you know, the nor'easter gale. Like, you know, I don't right. know. It's it it is it is cool. It's it's definitely a reference point. Um, yeah. I know the National Weather Service doesn't follow it, and that's totally fine. Lots of weather companies and TV stations and radio stations have these little chintzy things that we do to promote our weather coverage, and we've also talked about that a lot on this show and that's okay and we will continue to do that because that's something that's fascinating and fun so when the weather channel names storms it's cool it's fun but we saw the temperatures that drop significantly when you know this storm moved through and it was really cool to see because all of a sudden out of nowhere uh you get all the snow that's been dropped and you get 30 inches 40 inches 44 inches and that's a lot of snow in a very short period of time. There were some awesome videos of time lapses, like of people just having a camera on like their back porch or whatever, and just watching it, the snow rise and rise and their yep. patio furniture just disappear slowly. Like it's, it's crazy to see that like sped up and it just be like, boom, gone, just snow, nothing else. No, it, 100%. It's one of those things that I love seeing. Uh, people on the East Coast do because they the propensity of that to happen on the East Coast obviously is much more than it is here on the West Coast. So watching the ability to see all that stuff is fantastic. I love watching the time lapse and it's really cool. One of the favorite things. Yes, obviously, I love seeing like the snow grow on the, you know, the, the back pa- uh, patio or the table or the railing. 
But what I really love is I love seeing the branches of the trees shrink and get lower to the ground as the weight of the snow increases. Yes, yes. And that's something we get around here when we get our ice storms. It's the right. same. Like they just slowly start to just dip and dip. And some branches are very flexible and they will get all the way down to the ground. And once it all melts, they'll just, you know, come back up. And then some branches or the whole tree or half the tree will just right. just snap. Right. And I'm sure that there is a study out there. And if anybody knows about it, you can hit us up on our Twitter page at Weather Podcast. The weight of snow versus the weight of ice. Mm-hmm. And I think the, and water. Yeah. And I think the density of ice is much more than of snow. So it would make sense that you don't need that much ice to take a tree down versus, you know, relatively how much snow would it take to take the same tree down. And obviously yeah. there's a million variables. Is the tree healthy? Is the tree sick? Um, you is know, there wind? Yeah, exactly. You name it. Everything, you know, a lot of things play, a lot of factors play into that. But it was really cool to see this storm develop and this wasn't one of those ones where we had you know 24 hours notice 36 hours notice we saw this thing coming days in advance Mm -hmm. and that was pretty awesome like we said you guys got the party started on tuesday and then this thing progressed off um you know to the east and once this thing started uh hitting you know somewhere around tennessee the storm really started taking shape and the weather models did a great job with this. Forecasters did a great job with this. I know that we had, you know, tweeted a bunch of different stuff out, but man, it was just oh, so much good stuff. This is one of those weeks as a weather nerd, everything was falling in line for us. I am so shocked at how quickly winter is just like coming in with a bang with ice storms and dumping snow everywhere and just winter's like, "Yo, I'm here." hear me roar kind of thing right. and i'll tell you early beginning this week the beginning of the week before the storm even started we had states like in in massachusetts and stuff where they were canceling closings i work for a mortgage company and so people who had closings scheduled in parts of pennsylvania and in massachusetts and things like that this week like towards the end of the week they were canceled and they had to be rescheduled and postponed which that's a whole giant headache just so you know but because people were not able to get out. Notaries weren't able to get out and drive and drive to people's houses and get things done because there's, you know, 400 feet of snow out there. So, I mean, it's crazy. You don't really realize the impacts that snow has on everything, but it really does. No, again, across the board, it starts with, you know, emergency management. It starts with departments of transportation. It starts with, you know, the National Weather Service saying, hey, here's what's happening. Here's what we're thinking. And we'll build a plan from there. Um, you know, we talked about forecasts and having this. Um, a friend of mine who is the morning forecast, uh, a morning meteorologist for a TV station in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, uh, had tweeted out a record and it was on our Twitter page of, I want to say it was like 13.9 is the all-time record for a snowfall event in southeastern pennsylvania and you know the question was will this be broken and so because she's on the mornings on the east coast i'm usually going to bed by the time that she's at the station so we'll direct message back and forth on twitter a lot and i just and you know she sent me a note she goes i'm feeling really at odds with this and i just put you know i put a question mark i said did you under forecast and she's like no we didn't under forecast she goes we all got overruled by our chief meteorologist who said, here's my feelings. I just, 
something's not right about this storm. I was like, okay, yeah. that's interesting. And so I wanted to, you know, I was checking that work uh, every six hours once the snowfall totals started coming in. Um, and I will say this, there are some NWS offices that are on top of snowfall, and there are other ones that just, are, because they get it so often, could care less. But when you're trying to track a record, I'm, you know, I'm sitting over here, I'm like, come on, give me the information, and just nothing. And they're like, oh, well, we have the, you know, the snow water, or we have the melted water equivalent. And I'm like, okay, well, is the ratio 10 to 1, 20 to 1, 25 to 1, where, where is the snowfall to water ratio in this? And no, no answer. So just had to wait and wait and wait. Finally came out. Record was not broken. So 13.9 still stands. But I sent her a note. I was like, all right, just break this down for me. What happened for this? She goes, it was very funny. She goes, we started to snow. We transitioned to sleet. We stayed in the dry slot for two and a half hours and then transitioned back to snow. We never got into a really heavy band of snow. Nothing over an inch an hour. But it was one of those things where, again, it's the difference of your location and temperature. Mm-hmm. And I will say this. This storm was very impressive. I don't know if you saw the satellite photo or not or the loop of yes. it. Yes. Where it had the dry slot and it looked like everyone was like, ooh, the storm has an eye. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I mean, if you want to call it an eye, fine. But that dry slot was no joke. That prevented a lot of areas from getting a lot of snow. There were parts of New York City that were like were below that dry slot that got very little snowfall. And going into this, New York City was one of those cities where like this could be, you know, a big impact. Parts of Long Island got hammered. Parts of New York just outside of New York City got absolutely hammered. But parts of New York City that were under this dry slot got a little snow. So that to me was fascinating. And that's the snow like it behaves so much differently than yep. anything else. And any dry slot really just, boom, kills any chance of snow coming down to the surface in that particular area. Right. And I think that if Pennsylvania, this area that you're talking about for breaking the record, if you have that two hours or two and a half hours in that dry area, they might have been the record if they had had snow for two hours instead of nothing. Exactly. And so, you know, I... You know, you go back and you're like, okay, hypothetically, again, right? Now, on the dry slides, you said two hours of snow. Maybe you break the record. With that said, it's not a guarantee. Right. Because as we saw with your snow event on Sunday, you know, you watch the radar. More was right on the border of kind of dry air and, you know, showers popping up, right? Mm -hmm. And there were times where you guys were very close to being in a heavy band and it would just dissipate. And we yeah. see, and you obviously see this a lot, especially during winter and winter storms, and even severe, you know, season where the storm looks like it's going to hold together. It's going to make that long track of twenty five, thirty, fifty miles, and then all of a sudden, just poof, it's gone. But well, and I feel like here we're like on a tug of war with the the below freezing line all right. the time, whereas in the Northeast, it's pretty easy to be like oh yeah all of us are going to be below 32 well below 32 so it'll be snow but here we're constantly like we need to know exactly where the freezing line is because that is going to determine who gets what and it's like a it's that's our game every time there's any kind of winter and trying to happen no 100 percent um same with us here in the northwest 
I mean, it, we've talked about it a lot where it's the difference of two, three, four degrees. And mm-hmm. it's real cold rain versus, you know, multiple inches of snow. But, I, you know, just so much of this storm was fascinating to me. The really heavy, intense lines of snow, the bands of snow that I don't want to say it's gravity waves because I can't 100% assert that. But you look at the radar and then you look at the satellite picture over top of it. And, man, it looks just like that. You know, just pulses of energy that are, you know, if you look at the satellite, you're like, oh, yeah, it's totally this gravity waves. Great. Well, when you overlay the radar on top of it, it's mimicking the same thing. So it has to be. And just, you know, lines and lines and lines of heavy bands of snow constantly, you know, just hitting the same area. And the one big one, which did drop the 44 inches in lower New York. Same thing. We're looking at snowfall rates of two and a half, three and a half, four inches an hour. That is insane. That is insane amounts of snow in the same place. And I mean, think about it. Snow is so, I don't know what I'm trying to say, like small. And so, and so to get four or five inches in an hour, that's a lot of snow that has to fall. Right. And that means you have to have the moisture in the atmosphere to be able to produce that amount. Exactly. Exactly. And did you what what was the snow water ratio? I don't know. I mean, you, I think you have to go back and look at it. But, you know, generally the rule of thumb is it's 10 to one for a, every tenth of an inch of water of rainwater uh, equals one inch of snow. And obviously that number does change. That's kind of the textbook standard is 10 to one. But if you get into a 25 to one. Um, which is usually probably more of a drier snow, if I think that's Mm -hmm. correct. Um, Or maybe it's the other way around. I'm going to have to look it up. Well, and basically what it's saying is that the amount of snow that it takes to get just a tenth of an inch of liquid water is a lot. Like it takes way more snow to just a little bit of water. And that's always been really interesting to me because, you know, it's hard to see five inches of rain on the ground, but it's easy to see five inches of snow. But to know that that five inches of snow, if you melted it down into water, would not be anywhere near right. five inches of water. Right. Because, I mean, if, so, if that was the case, if you had five inches of water, that would equate to roughly um, over five feet of snow. Dang. If Well, no, I take that back. That'd be 50 inches of snow. No, no. Sorry. Would it be 25 inches? Uh, yes. So 10 to 1, so a tenth of an inch is 1, and so a tenth equals 1 inch. Um, 1 inch, or 1 inch of water would equal 1 foot. So 5 inches of water would equal 5 feet. Jeez. If my math is Isn't right. that so crazy? I, I that that sounds right, but it you know yeah. ratios are kind of hard. Yeah, I'm gonna have to pull this up here. But that the bottom line is, without we don't know the numbers exactly, obviously, but it just takes way more snow to get water. Right. Snow to water converter. All right, let's pull this up. <laughs> Because then everybody's screaming at us like, your math is wrong. Sorry, math is not my strong suit. My bad. Forgive me. Especially not on the spot. Right. Where I'm just like, uh, numbers are tough. 
<laughs> I've been dealing with like 13 million packages at work. Uh, I'm okay. Yeah, you like your I, you can do those numbers. When it comes to boxes, boom, you got the numbers down. But when it comes to snow to rain, all right. So the snow ratio is a rule of thumb. For every 10 inches of snow, there would be one inch of water. So 10 to one. Okay. So 10 inches of snow, one inch of water. So if we had 44 inches of snow, that's four inches of water. So yeah, we were right. Wow. Yeah. Uh, however, crazy. yeah, far f- this is far from the norm, and recent studies indicate that a 12 to 1 ratio might be represented on average for the upper Midwest. So, again, rule of thumb, 10 to 1. Other areas obviously have other things, but still, man, <laughs> even 12 well, to 1. because there's different types of snowfall. Like oh, some easily. snow is, is, is heavier and right. wetter, right. and then some snow is real white and fluffy. And I guess that just – I don't really know – for sure what makes it different in the atmosphere but i guess it's just how saturated it is right well i mean and how saturated it is from the top to the bottom like if it's a little dry on the way down then maybe the snow gets a little bit less moist so let's look at that because um the warmer it is closer to freezing the lower the ratio will be so, which means the warm, the warmer and closer to freezing means there's more available moisture, right? Because the colder you get, the less available moisture. The warmer you get, the more available moisture. Ah, that makes sense. Yeah. So. So if it's snowing and it's 20 degrees, it's going to be a really light. Fluffy snow. Fluffy snow. Versus it that. being 30 degrees where you have more available moisture. So. That makes sense. All right. Boom. We are just solving snow right. mysteries left and right right now. Right. So um, according to, I don't know what office this is. doesn't matter. Uh, what is ARX? Oh, it's okay. So La Crosse, Wisconsin. What, what are snow ratios? So I'll just read verbatim what they say. Fluffy snow are expected today and tonight producing accumulations with very little water. Commonly the percentage of water to snow, which is called the snow ratio. An old rule of thumb was that for every 10 inches of snow, roughly there'd be one inch of water, so a 10 to 1 ratio. However, this is far from the norm, and recent studies indicate that 12 to 1 might be more representative on average for the upper Midwest. This said, there are many variables that can affect the snow of, or the ratio of liquid water to snow that is using a rule of thumb is usually off the mark. In fact, snow ratios can dramatically change within a snow event itself. Some of the variables that come into play include... Depth of the warm layer from the surface into the snow-producing cloud. The warmer it is, closer to freezing, the lower the ratio will be. The amount of ice in the snow-producing cloud. If there's more super-cooled water droplets in the cloud, snow ratios will be lower. If there's a higher amount of ice crystals, snow ratios will be higher. If it is windy, snowflakes can fracture, losing their lacy structure and heading and leading to lower accumulations, lower snow ratios. Deep cold, in general, promotes higher snow ratios. Within the very cold air in place across the region at this time, snow ratios today and tonight closer to 20 to 1 are expected, although they could be higher. Obviously, this was posted at some point, not today, I believe, but uh, again, that makes total sense. But deep cold, in general, promotes higher snow ratios, so that would make sense, right? Because if it's really cold... It doesn't take much to produce, you know, it's going to overproduce the amount of, of snow versus um, a normal atmosphere, right? One that's closer to 32 right. degrees. So, And the drier the snow, that's when you 
can't make a snowman or a snowball very well because it doesn't stick. Correct. It's just like picking up powdered sugar or fake snow. Correct. Like just it's it's all. But you apart. get but you get more of it ba- working right. with the lesser amount of moisture. But that's why you want that. You know, there's nothing wrong with that fluffy snow. It's great. And you and you are squeezing everything out of the atmosphere. That's why it's also really dry when you have snow, which is totally counterintuitive. But right. But it's true. Like your your skin and your hands get raw and your lips get raw and your end of your nose gets all dried up and everything. Yeah, it's because the atmosphere is the only moisture in the atmosphere is the snow on the ground. So what's left in the atmosphere is nothing. Right. Well, we talked about, you know, looking at the models here and they did a great job. The forecast did a great job. Now, there is a new weather model out there. The Weather Channel uses it. A lot of the new TV stations are using it. It's called the IBM GRAF or I'm going to call it the giraffe or the giraffe because it's fantastic. <laughs> I mean, right. Um, and it was like, well, you know, OK, great. It's it's a it's a more improved, accurate weather model. With that said, it's been around for a while, not a whole long, not a long time, but it's been around for a little bit. With that said, some TV forecaster was saying, well, the giraffe was the only one that really nailed the 44 inches in lower New York. And I'm like, okay, I mean, that's that's totally fine. If you want to do that, that's great. Um, The giraffe came online. It was announced uh, just over a year ago. Uh, mid-November 2019, and it's, you know, it. where was it here? Do, 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 do. Um, just goes through and it's just like, all right, so it's the, the GRAF is the first large-scale global weather model to run on graphic processing units or GPUs, enabling it to run faster and more efficiently than the older models. More specifically, GRAF is composed of 84 nodes of the IBM Power System AC922 server and uses 3.5 pentabytes of IBM Elastic Storage to keep the model fed. It's the same technology used by the U.S. Department of Energy in the Summit and Sierra supercomputers, two of the most powerful computers in the world. So, that's pretty cool. We talked about that on the show a long time ago. Um, the GRAF is the most sophisticated and farthest reaching forecast system ever made. The best part, anybody with a Weather Channel app on their smartphone will benefit not only for, from it, but will have access to improved forecasts with permission to share pressure sensor readings via the app to improve accuracy. So if you have the Weather Channel app, your data, based on the phone you have, which does include a barometer, which you don't have access to, but it is there, um, along with the accelerometers and some of the other scientific measurements that phones do take, including GPS, uh, will feed this information back to the model. So that part's kind of cool. So That's kind of like MPing in a way. Yes, exactly. So if you have the Weather Channel app, uh, you basically are contributing to the supercomputing power of weather models. So that's interesting. That's why I like MPing too, because it's right. it's nice to be like, hey, I'm helping improve the way models are and the right. way radar is and things like that. So yeah, that's awesome. That's really cool. Uh, and if you guys don't know what MPing is, check it out. It's a uh, co-op pro- program from the National Weather Service and is it NSSL that's running or SPC? Uh, all, I think NSSL. I thought right. OU was involved in it. Oh, I know. I know they are. So let me look here. 
But mping basically allows you to report what type of, yeah, it's an NSL style project. Um, it lets you report what type of precip or moisture or events are happening around you in a very uh, easy to share app. Um, if you have radar scope, you can uh, institute mping within that, or you can just go to the mping page and submit that. But you can report uh, hail, you can report lightning, you can, or not lightning, yeah, you can report lightning, right? No thunderstorms. It's rainfall, hail, snow, wind, uh, a whole bunch of other things. Mm -hmm. My all-time favorite. And it even gets kind of specific. Like yeah. if it's grapple, it'll let yep. you select that. And it just, it all, this data is collected and it can help improve radar and models and different things like that by knowing exactly what's going on in very specific pinpointed locations. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, uh, yeah. So it's a partnership between NSSL, the University of Oklahoma, and the Cooperative Institute for Mesoscale Meteorological Studies. So... It's a cool app. It's free. It's easy. I would yep. I would definitely download it. Yep. It's nice. It helps know, like, okay, in this particular community, they're not getting snow. They're getting sleet or they're getting hail or right. whatever. And it even, I think it lets you pick the hail size, too. It does. It's, I believe, you know, uh, pea size are bigger than penny dime. You know, it's got the, it's, it's got the National Weather Service spotter criteria built into it. So you can identify the size of the hail, which is awesome. But you mentioned about, you know, do certain blocks have snow? We saw that in, in the snowstorm here. Uh, a lady, I believe she was a nurse, said, this is my view out my window. And there was like maybe a dusting. And she goes six blocks away. They have five inches. Wow. That's that, that's so crazy. Again, to me, that's insane. But it happens all the time. We see it with rain. We see it with snow. But I just I love the hyper local aspect of storms. I like, you know, just the, mm -hmm. the the overall climate effect on it and how, you know, if you are stuck under a heavy band, you basically live there for a while and then you can go half a mile or five blocks and it's a completely different setup. And it's just crazy because it really does vary like that from block to block, neighborhood yep. to neighborhood, city, and, you know, like we, it's happened here. Like people have been like, there was an ice storm. I had no idea. And they're just on the east side of Oklahoma City or something. And it's like, yeah, like half the state doesn't have power. And they're like, oh, we didn't get any of that over here. And it's just, it's so, it's just so crazy. I mean, it makes sense. The weather has to stop somewhere. But right. it's just, it's just interesting for it to, to be like that so close. It is. It's, it's truly fascinating. And looking back at it, you know, especially this last storm goes so fresh in our memory. So many things went right in terms of forecasting, model outplay, um, you know, all the things that we look at when we look at storms and how it affects people. But one for the record books, yes, a lot of people are still digging out today. But this storm was a great way to kick off the, the real nor'easter season. Yes, yes, definitely. This gale will be remembered for sure. And uh, I wish we could get a good gale right. down here. <laughs> well, to tell you the truth, it's so 2020, though. It really is. It right. really is. And we've only got, what, like a week and a half, two weeks yeah. left? Yeah, very, very close. We're almost we're almost out of the uh, year. We got, what, 21 days, 22 days? And no. I just feel like... My math is off. I'm sorry. 
We have. I think it's eleven. Yeah, eleven days. Eleven twelve. Yeah. I I honestly know that it's going to be a new year in a couple weeks, but I just feel like it's just going to be twenty twenty continued. You know yeah. what I mean? Like and that's fine. It's cool. But I just feel like that's that's what it's gonna be. It, it it's gonna be let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Um I know that, you know, it COVID nineteen rolled into twenty. COVID nineteen is gonna roll into twenty twenty one. With that said, you know, the vaccines out there, people are starting to actually get it, depending on what what videos you see on the internet, you may or may not. Um, I don't want to necessarily jump into this, but I will bring up the one guy in El Paso. I feel bad for the, did you see this video? The nurse that was supposedly got the shot, but didn't actually get the shot. No. So, okay. All these health systems across the United States are holding these press events, right? Come watch our nurse or doctor get the coronavirus vaccine. Great. Okay. They go and they're in El Paso, Texas. And you see this guy, he's on stage, you know, rolls up his sleeve, you know, then the guy administering the shot takes the alcohol wipe and, you know, cleans the area, takes the needle and sticks the guy. But he never pushes the plunger. He never actually does anything besides put the needle in the guy's arm. And the TV station that caught this was like, hold up here. You can literally see the guy administering it. Never he touches the plunger, but the thing's already there. And when they go back and look at it, there was nothing actually in the actual like needle, like nothing in the syringe. So and, it was just for show for yeah, the press. Straight up, straight up for show. And the fact that the guy never actually like like literally just stuck the needle in and pulled it out. And you're like, oh, hold up here, hold up here. And so the company had to go back and issue a press release. Yes, yes, we're sorry, we made a mistake. There was nothing in that syringe. He did get the vaccine an hour later. And I was like, okay, this again is bad PR. This is why some people don't trust things. And then the other video was the nurse that fainted after getting the vaccine. She's up on the podium. You're right. This is what makes people not trust things. And that's just not what we need right now. (laughs) No. And I understand our our leaders are getting, you know, shots, and that's great. But it's just like, oh my gosh, uh, yeah, the nurse literally. And I know it's impossible to control this kind of stuff, but nothing can go wrong with these kind of things because that casts a shadow of a doubt and plants seeds of, of doubt in people's heads. And it's like it just it's just going to make this even more of an uphill battle than it already is. It is, and you know, and I did love I do love the meme that's going around that you know this this vaccine will not include any microchips, but it does come included with the new download of the YouTube album, and I was like, <laughs> that's terrible, but it was quite hilarious. I keep seeing memes that are talking about how people are freaked out that there is a microchip, but then it's like it says something about everybody's got a cell phone. Yeah, exactly. And so, so. It, it's not it's not that. But, you know, again, the nurse is up on the podium. She's talking. And all of a sudden, she gets lightheaded and then faints. And I'm like, <laughs> again, you got to remember, we are all, it, this is science, right? We we all can get reactions to shots. I've had a reaction to a flu shot to the point where even my doctors were like, you know, we think you should have one. But, you know, it's not necessary. It's not absolutely required. You did have a reaction one time. That doesn't mean you're going to have a reaction every time. But, you know, I'm also part of the lawyer. Like, you know, hey, that thing knocked me on my butt for a good week. So, 
What do well, I do? Things happen. One time I had blood drawn for, for just some labs and, you know, they don't take very much, just a couple no. of those little, little vials. And I got all woozy and I just sure. made me lay on the bed for a minute. They gave me a Gatorade and stuff, but right. you know, I mean, <sighs> reactions happen everywhere to vaccines. We already have to other medical procedures. So hopefully people keep those kind of things in mind with this, this vaccine and this shot, because People are going to react to it just like any other scenario. Yeah. So, ugh. yeah. But so, anyways, I, I'm glad that we do have the vaccine that's out. By the way, we're taping this Saturday afternoon. Um, <laughs> I'm watching the Big 12 championship game between Oklahoma and Iowa State. It's on the TV in the studio here. There's two minutes left in this game. Oklahoma's up by six. If they blow this, I'm going to lose my mind because they have dominated this game start to finish. So just I'm throwing that out there. We will still be taping most likely by the time this game ends. With that said, Bonnie, I think it's great that we do have these advances in technology. I think the GRAF model could be uh, a step, stepping stone to having truly a really good solid weather model. No weather model is perfect. We need to make sure that we stress that because... We can have all of the great technology we want, but Mother Nature will do what she does, and you're not going to be able to always fully predict it. Exactly, because we just don't have the equipment and the manpower to know what is yep. happening in every little square inch of the atmosphere from the surface to the top and from left to right. There's just no possible way to know, and so that's why things pop up, because stuff's missed because it's just such a big the sky is too big to measure yeah, the whole thing it is it is and nobody saw this dry slot with gale right nobody's nobody saw you know the 44 inches of you know heavy training snow that ended up blanketing parts of pennsylvania and you know lower new york it was just it was fantastic to see and to watch all the snowfall and watch the radar and the satellite and the whole nine um you know, it's not severe weather for the most part. It's not necessarily my bread and butter of what I really like to see, but it was still extremely fascinating to see. Oh, yeah. And you're right. Like, of course, me and you will always be a severe spring weather type people. Absolutely. Winter weather events are just as fascinating. And to see the sky and the atmosphere drop 44 inches of snow, that's pretty legit. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's it's incredible is what it is. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if there's any other thing to say besides that. Um, all right, what do you guys have coming up for weather Oklahoma City-wise after, you know, your last two fun snow events? Well, it doesn't look like there's any fun snow events coming up, at least in the next week. Um, highs in the 50s, maybe low 60s, and then lows in the 30s overnight. Um, breezy days, but let's be real, this is Oklahoma. It's breezy all the time. But that's pretty much all we've got. Kind of boring, but that changes on a dime around here. Right. Well, I wish I could say the same for us here in Portland. It has been pretty benign the last couple of days, but we're about to open the fire hose on us, and that's going to be starting here in the next couple of hours. We are expecting anywhere from one and a half to three inches of rain in the Willamette Valley. Uh, the mountains and are how looking. How much snow would that be? Well, so, <laughs> let, let's do the, three, uh, one and a half to three feet. But with with that said, with that said, mountains are expecting some mountains are expecting six to eight inches of rain, um, wow. lots of snow. 
um, above, I think, 35 or 4,000 feet. I'd have to go back and look. But the fire hose is going to be on us for a while. Um, Time to dust off the skis. Yeah, well, so, so, sorry, snow level will be high, 6,000 feet. But even then, anything above 6,000 feet is going to get a lot, which is a good snowpack base to build. But periods of heavy rain expected this weekend, tonight through Saturday, or tonight, uh, especially flooding as possible, creeks and rivers draining at the coast range. Um, threat for landslides and flow debris over recently burned areas is pretty big. High winds expected at the coast this afternoon and early evening, gusting 60 to 65, sustained 55 to 60 in some of the headlands, uh, less as you get into some of the little coastal cities. But um, weather-wise, it's about to go down, as we say. <laughs> hey, that's good. You know, it's yeah. always good to get rain and keep things hydrated. You know, nobody likes things to get dried out. You like to have wildfires on that side of the country anyway. Right. So keep you all nice and moist. Yep. We do have a flood watch out. It's been out since yesterday afternoon uh, for all of Northwest Oregon. Actually, I think the entire area that the National Weather Service Portland office uh, oversees is under a flood watch. So yeah, like I said, we're expecting a lot of rain and it's going to fall within a six to eight hour period. So that is pretty impressive uh, by itself. So Yeah, definitely. Like, that's the thing with flooding. It's not just the amount of rain, but how fast does that amount of rain fall? Right. Because if it's one to three inches over three days, okay, well, that's nothing. But if it's three inches over, like, eight hours, then, woof, that's a lot of water to deal with at one time. Right. I mean, so just if you want to go through and read the first, I'll read the first couple letter or first couple uh, sentences of the AFD. 24 hours ago, mild guidance generally had the access of the heaviest rain centered farther to the north over southwest Washington and far northwest Oregon. The 6Z NAM GFS Euro deterministic guidance now has shifted the highest rain totals further to the south, affecting the north and central Oregon coast. Uh, more than the Willapa Hills, as a result, QPF have also increased over the southern portions of the coast range. The reality of the situation is there's no way to know exactly where the axis of heaviest rain will set up until the event is just beginning or about to begin. This means there is still some uncertainty in regards to the exact rainfall totals for any given location. The GEF plumes for, uh, for QPF at Astoria, Portland, Salem, and Eugene continue to pick this uncertainty with ensemble members depicting a wide range of possible outcomes. With that said, there's some notable clustering of ensemble members now, which favor rainfall amounts of one and a half to two inches over the Willamette Valley from Saturday evening through Sunday night. Rainfall amounts along the coast are a bit higher. So forecasting, it's a challenge and an imperfect science. Yeah, but we have made, I say we like I do it, but we have made great strides yes. in the last you know, several decades. So, yes. you know, and I always say this, could you imagine being way back when, when there was no way to predict weather whatsoever, no one even knew anything about weather and you're just going about your day and then it starts storming. And before you know it, there's F five blowing through town right. that you had no, none, zero warning, no sirens. I just couldn't imagine living in a time like that. No, I couldn't either. And, you know, we know that people, you got to remember, Radar technology came around weather radar wise in the 60s. Okay. In the 60s. That technology is 60 years old. Which isn't that old. Which is not that old. Correct. I mean, we've been tracking weather, taking weather instruments and measurements 
since the 17 and 1800s. That's very well documented. Radar technology is 60 years old. Satellite technology for weather is roughly the same. <laughs> so, you know, to go from having absolutely no way to anticipate a storm to now being able to look at it on radar and tell you exactly where it is and what's happening in that short of time frame is pretty impressive. Yeah. And it's, it's only improving yep. as you know, each year goes by. So yep. that's why it just burns me up when people want to say stuff about it, but whatever, you know, people are ignorant. As 50 cent says, let them hate and watch the money pile up. And let them hate and watch the snow pile up. Yes. 44 inches. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yep. You're going to hate on the weather. Fine. Don't add us. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. Bonnie, another great edition of B-Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby in Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. And we will talk to you guys next week. However, let us be the first to wish you a very Merry Christmas. I know it's coming up next week. Bonnie, I'm excited. Me too. Merry Christmas, everyone. I hope Santa brings you everything you want. Yes, including my portable Doppler weather radar. And including that I'm sure a lot of people want. (laughs) fair enough fair enough all right we will talk to you guys next week bye